All right, lads. Welcome back, everyone, to the Seeker Strength Podcast. Today we're in with, um, I suppose we, we could call this, this is kind of Seeker Reviews the News again, but it's quite a, a chunky one involved in terms of the weightlifting world. So for some people involved in the weightlifting world, not a, this is, a whole lot of this is a new information, but the details will be new. For anyone who's not involved in weightlifting and you've decided to listen, um, get ready for a whole host of um, corruption. So... This is our little podcast on the McLaren report, which came out only yesterday, I think. Was it the first day it came out? Uh, I think it was the fourth he presented the results. Uh, so I'm not sure if it was published on the fourth, but I think it was presented on the fourth. So this all kind of began, I think, with the... Obviously, this kind of... Well, the genesis of this was would have been around 2016 when all those kind of positive retests were coming in. And then... It kind of really came to light just how corrupt and how much doping there was in weightlifting. So obviously a lot of other sports were implemented along and Russia were obviously getting a whole host of um, abuse for their kind of part in it. And then that all that kind of snowballed into a German documentary which came out earlier this year. And this is not the first time Germans have done an investigative um, kind of reporting on doping in the IWF. So they did one... Yeah back in like 2011 and not much came of that really so things weren't really as much in the public eye at that time and then we had one again earlier this year and it kind of blew the lid on a lot of stuff so they went really deep in this and they kind of targeted Thomas Agen who was who's been the president basically or de facto president or de facto ruler of the IWF for close to half a century in one form or some another. Some could say dictator. I would, some would, I'm pretty sure the, the report basically says dictator and they targeted him and ultimately his whole kind of, it came down very, very fast in the space of three to four months, things kind of crumbled underneath him and then, who's this McLaren dude again? What's the deal with him? Uh, so he's a doctor from Canada. Uh, I think he's done some reports before. He has some link with the like Canadian Olympic Commission or something like that. Uh, but in terms of weightlifting, I'm not sure if he has any links. I don't think he does. Uh, I think he's a lawyer and a doctor or something. So. Or he might be a legal PhD. They com- so basically he, and obviously a, a huge team of people who compiled a massive dossier of 122 page report on essentially the corruption in the IWF so you can find it if you just go to All Things Gym uh, they have a post up on their website recently and you can get a download link if you want to have a look and it's titled Independent Investigatory Reports to the Oversight and Integrity Commission of the IWF 4th of June 2020 so it's if you're if you're thinking of downloading this right the chapter titles are uh, I think these are right like the chapter titles are executive summary of the report so there's in that there's a background there's information about the witnesses uh just like different kind of reforms that took place then chapter two is all about uh Asian's presidency uh and some of the subsections in that are just like the infiltration of anti-doping programs a half century of unfettered autonomous control uh then chapter three is the hijacking of financial control and some of the subsections are illusory pr- reform, 
where they basically talk about like the illusion of, of reform happening but the status quo remaining uh, bank accounts and flow of money uh, you're, you're kind of starting to see how bad this looks for Asia and like later on in chapter 3 it's the tyranny of cash uh, then it's the president's use of cash which goes into some crazy detail on like his different expenses uh, these mysterious lumps of cash that flow through the organization and disappear uh, then chapter 4 is uh, electoral corruption so we'll talk about all this basically the buying of votes uh, appointing uh, different people in the organization like his son-in-law to be on the board um, and then the final chapter yeah I think it's the final chapter is uh, anti-doping over the decades um, which kind of gives an idea of the different organizations that became involved with anti-doping uh, and particular with anti-doping in relation to the IWF uh, then the kind of different scandals in the different decades uh, and then it kind of finishes up with uh, the doping fines um, and some of those kind of how they came to the fines and how they came to those amounts so when that documentary came out in um, what I think January a lot of people not a lot of people but some people were like well maybe they're they kind of added this for a dramatic effect and maybe it's not as bad as it seems uh, maybe you know Thomas obviously he, he didn't admit to anything he obviously just said it was completely false um, but they, of course an, an investigation had to be done but this report is um, this is incredibly damning this could not be more damning this is like worse than any time your girlfriend has remembered mm-hmm. anything you've ever said um this is <laughs> this is the ultimate in just it's phenomenal so it's obviously a, a massive amount of work went into this i think the so for me the, the most um kind of interesting thing from this is it truly would have changed the course of where weightlifting was headed we've literally no idea what weightlifting would be like right now where we'll be what teams would be dominant, what countries, what the sport of weightlifting might look like, what the world records, who are the world champions right now. Um, one of the most pressing matters from the report is 40 athletes who, who's, I'd say of many, 40 of many, but 40 conclusively uh, who had adverse analytical finding is what they call a positive doping test for WADA, who have been covered up and some of them are gold and silver medalists. And I think we're all wondering... Yeah. Who the fuck are they? <clears throat> Tell us. Yeah, like it, the level of corruption. So it's one thing, right? If it's like when you look at the Russia uh, kind of the opening up of those Russian files and the huge systematic doping system and it was all so corrupt and they were like, it was hugely corrupt because they were doping people systematically on all teams uh and they had huge state support. It was then hugely corrupt because they were taking other people's clean urine, uh, so taking clean athletes' urine, swapping it in for theirs, uh, and then cheating tests. It was then more corrupt again because when people came to the country, they were seen to be testing them positively when they may or may not have had a positive test, uh, which they didn't go into a huge amount in the Icarus documentary. And then probably the last thing was the kind of the state backing of it um, with kind of full, what do they call the KGB these days? Uh, I'm actually not too sure. Um, I think they, I think they kind of referred to them. They have a different name anyway, but 
Yeah, so like they have their full backing, so it's like that's damning in one sense, right? Uh, but, and I'm sure there's so much other corruption going on that that like those reports and those revelations haven't uh, like shed light on. But this has a few little beauties of uh, of revelation. So there's obviously the positive tests. The whole cash thing is something else like. You have to imagine Thomas Asian is rolling in cash uh, with, and like if you download the report, you'll see a, a flow chart of the different bank accounts. Uh, they're just the bank accounts that he's he has revealed after like two or different, two or three different requests for information. So the first time he only gave uh, like doctored accounts with like two or three accounts excluded. So we have no idea how much cash this guy actually has. Uh, and then there's the thing of voting people onto boards or voting people off boards through buying of votes, through bringing on his son-in-law uh, into some like prime position on one of the boards. Like this is, this spans a huge amount of corruption, not just with doping. Um, it's interesting how much doping does is intertwined with all of it. You know, it's it's literally it's a substance. Like so, yeah. the the fine. So if you look at the cash section, a lot of that came from uh, bribes, the cover up doping. So it's a literally ranging from like it's like hundreds of thousand dollars. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. sort of cash is related to that. The doping. The, it's funny that doping played such a significant part of it. That it was facilitated. You know, it's interesting if he if he just cared about cash, you'd one you'd wonder about the significance of doping. Like what made it? Because he wasn't even a weightlifter himself. I assume he obviously saw it just as an easy way of getting cash from people is to allow the doping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the flow of cash into the organization is is crazy. So there's a flow chart. I'm not going to like really refer to it now because you're listening to this, obviously, and you won't be able to see it. So how they seem to structure their accounts is they have a series of investment accounts uh, across like Swiss bank accounts, Hungarian bank accounts, uh, and a few other European bank accounts. <clears throat> they also then have a kind of general, kind of, uh, what would you call it, like a current account. Uh, so this money is moving constantly between, I think it's five or six accounts, and these are just the ones we know about it. And the feedback loop seems to be, so the Olympic Commission pay the IWF directly into a, uh, just I think it's a Hungarian current account, that money is then transferred into a Swiss bank account. And then you have, on the other side of the equation, you have Thomas Ajan, who should, like, a president of the organization should have nothing to do with the cash. It should be the treasurer and, like, the series around the treasurer who controls all this. But basically, all the money from fines would go directly to Thomas Ajan personally. He would then pay it into a series of different uh, current accounts, and then that would feed into or some of it would feed into the IWF current accounts, uh, which is absolutely crazy. And like you'll see one of the titles of a subchapter is The Redundant Treasurer. Uh, and it basically speaks about this whole thing of like, uh, even the very, very simple things like transferring of money should take two signatures. That was overruled. He would just be able to transfer money whenever he wanted. Uh, there's somewhere in the region of $10 million missing uh, from these accounts. So just from these four or five accounts that are, like, 
we can probably okay i'm not going to say we can assume they've been doctored but the first set of accounts he provided were doctored uh and now it seems as though like if there's 10 million dollars missing from these there could be multiples of those missing overall if you get what i mean um, to- on a totally random note there fox just ran across the front garden um so <laughs> t- one of the very interesting things there so if we're talking about the flow of cash right so some of these fines were in terms of the doping so they were supposed to be fine so it wasn't some of them weren't bribes so um when they were looking for the receipts for these this kind of cash flow they basically the member federations pretty much all of them across the world were entirely uncooperative the only federation to provide yeah. the original receipts to the mclaren reports uh posse was the romanian weightlifting federation and then they when they they investigated really yep so if we take a couple of examples there um so out of these requests like the armenian weightlifting federation said they destroyed the records the turkish federation provided <laughs> uninformative information the iraqi federation provided limited and the russian federation provided information where accessible so i'm not really sure what that means uh, it mentions nothing mm-hmm. about, for example, yeah. the United States or any other countries like that. Basically, said they it's the Romanian Federation were the only ones who provided original receipts for the cash payments to Dr. Ajan. And then when they tried to link up the original receipts from the Romanian Federation, they did not match the records then of what the IWF said they got from the Romanian Federation, basically. So obviously, just an example of one of many where the original so Romanian said we gave them this much money and they have the original receipts and then it disappeared into the system yeah I think what we need to probably take us a, a really close look at there is the fact that everybody listening to this podcast your federation unless there's a few people listening in Romania yeah uh, hi Gabriel if you're listening uh Unless you're listening in Romania, your federation didn't return your accounts. So it's, I think, like I fall into this trap. I know a load of us do of where we read these reports. We uh, listen to things on this. We watch documentaries on this and we say, oh, Jesus, isn't that terrible what's happening in Eastern Europe, the Middle East, China, whatever it is. It's, it's crazy about the like, Russian system. Oh, that's crazy. The level of corruption here is completely and utterly embedded in every single weightlifting federation in the world because and if you think it's not if you think it's not why the fuck weren't accounts returned like in our federation which is we're not even going to get into what would the reason be for those accounts not being returned i suppose some of these though would there be a a president of the organization who yeah so some of these these would have been for doping fines so i suppose ireland would have had any doping fines within the last well, I know there's only four or five cases in the early 2000s, but the vast majority of other countries obviously yeah. would have had international doping or would have had violations, you know, and you always have, I think you always have to pay a fine if you have one. So we can assume most countries would have had. Yeah, so if you look at like the UK would have had, the US would have had, mm-hmm. France would have had, Italy would have had, like all these countries who we see as being clean, it appears as though it's not that fucking clean. And like... What they were saying basically was everyone was kind of complicit in Thomas Ajan's kind of um, role to power. But what they were mentioning as well was that he, through fear, intimidation, bribery, coheres, you know, any kind of 
by hook or by crook, you know, silver led, they, he let, he did, mm-hmm. people did what he wanted, you know. What I thought was very, very interesting yeah. was he was involved in the founding of WADA, which I did not know, I had no idea that. So in 1999, he was involved, <laughs> so, like, the, just, I think it's, it's really hard to grasp the level of corruption. So he was on the IOC, the Olympic, uh, the International Olympic mm-hmm. Committee Board until 2010. You know, I think it's, like, you really, really, yeah, like if I was in a in a fucking conspiracy theorist fucking forum right now, I'd have multiple tinfoil hats over my head in terms of relation to this sports. You know, this is like if he was involved in the creation of Wada, we can assume from the initial day one that they it was there was clearly processes set up in the formation of Wada that they need reforming. Like hands down, that would be fair to say mm-hmm. if they're involved in the IOC. Yeah. Um. So I think it was Dick Pound mentioned basically that Wada, or Robert Pound, I should probably say mentioned that WADA is basically <laughs> just an arm of the IOC and they do what they want. So the assumption is WADA was set yeah. up as a front and it was initially set up with the idea that it would be corrupt because if we're like, you know, and it's not mentioned in this report and I assume obviously the McLaren report can't make suggestions like that without concrete proof, but it, it's fairly easy to assume that, or it's not fairly easy to assume, but it's very likely that th- that is the case, like that WADA was set up with the... Mm-hmm corruption mind to cover up doping cases now i'm sure it's changed over the years but still yeah and like so even if what is there and what is completely clean uh and everybody involved now is towing the party line there's nobody just looking for quick cash or looking to get their organization out of something you still have what acting as this uh so almost like a metaphorical pit bull who's there saying oh uh, whatever uh china you got another positive test you have to pay the iwf three million dollars and then the iwf does whatever it wants with the three million dollars uh so like even if what well, is this perfectly clean organization now like you're saying it mightn't have been in this at the start it still provides um like a legitimacy for organizations like the IWF to be claiming huge amounts of cash and not really having any like any trace of where it goes or what's done with it so on the note of cooperation and corruption you know or the lack of cooperation the um so the 20 member federation presidents or general secretaries who were contacted by the uh, investigative team said only four responded and ultimately only one of those provided information of significant value to investigators so i assume that may have been the romanians if they were willing to be submit receipts so yeah like long story short there's a tale of massive uh, resistance to the investigation and not so on a total tangent like you know myself and fitz like this is our podcast so you know our 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 opinion on anti-doping and stuff like that where it's you know none of our business would be the overarching comment we would make in any of this, but you still really have to bring it back to again. Where would weightlifting be today if Thomas Agent hadn't been involved? You know, you really have to wonder. Now, for better or worse, you you can only imagine what kind of sport it would be right now. Even for the athletes, like if you look at people who were, who've dedicated their entire lives, like athletes, coaches... Every, like people who've poured hours and hours of, of like their time into this sport who've dedicated uh like the entirety of their genetic potential into training for weightlifting training to be an olympian training to be a world champion 
like you're talking about hundreds of people who could have been very very talented athletes in other areas whose careers may not have progressed as well as they could have because of one person setting up an incredibly corrupt system that probably 50 people uh, benefited from so if we want to look at some of the recommendations for correction to this um to this whole debacle i suppose is um we have some immediate action which it would be conduct a full-scale forensic audit um which would be of course that's yes for obvious reasons so they're recommending alter the method of voting for the electoral congress and stuff like that so th- that's um that's not really probably probably a good point on that like why they need to do that and it's something we haven't mentioned is the the buying of votes uh so the way thomas asia and basically uh continued to have control over the organization was that for voting on other board members uh he would have a voted a voting broker uh visit with each of the kind of current sitting board members and broker out a cash deal for how much it would cost them like this is all documented in the report broker out a cash deal for how much it would cost them to vote for his son-in-law uh what's his name mr adamir or something uh for how much it would cost to vote him on as what was the chief executive or one of those positions uh then for obviously for his uh presidential election or whatever what's it what was his title Bef- anyway, before it, it he was president, hugely. So, like, yeah. he'd have been general sec- secretary or whatever, which would be, which sounds innocuous, but it would, it would have been, yeah. it's like second in command, basically. Yeah. So when he'd go for that vote, uh, that same cash broker would visit with each of the people, uh, and these would be direct cash deals, um, that would be taken out of the IWF accounts by Thomas Ajan and paid by Thomas Ajan to that person for a favorable vote uh, uh probably one of the most clear kind of places we can see this is that in his reign he only really had two general secretary treasurers so these are the people who would would handle all the kind of day-to-day running of the accounts uh they'd handle the transfer of money and where money was uh allocated uh and he basically sat two puppet general uh secretary treasurers in those roles which just, like, the quote in the report is, thereby continuing his iron grip with little to no interference from the General Secretary-Treasurer. Uh, so it appears as though these would be people with, who are extremely ineffective in the role. They'd have very poor grasp of the English language and very poor administrative abilities. So these guys are basically being given a, uh, a kind of a blank role. They sit on the board, they... Uh, they present the reports they are given uh, by Thomas or by her- whoever compiled the report for him uh, and then it just allowed him to kind of freely do wh- what he liked with the cash accounts. So probably two of the more interesting recommendations for reform for, from my point of view and would be so they want a independent integrity offer, officer um, created basically a position created for that person and then they be elected i suppose independently to oversee basically everything so they want them to have the budget to oversee anything involved with the whole congress or the executive board or anything and basically have powers to go anywhere and do anything and just make sure everything's rosy and then the other one is to um 
elect an active athlete into a position on the board, I think it says. So have, yeah, onto the electoral executive board. So reform the constitution to reserve one seat on the EB for a currently active athlete. So um, mm-hmm. if you listen to Ilya's interview on Wafting House, he said, you know, the athletes always kind of get screwed and the system doesn't really. And then early this year, there were a couple of athletes, I think it was like from the UK and um, Canada, I don't, they were saying that no, the, the athletes have no representation on the board, you know, nobody listens to them, they have no opinion. And I suppose this would kind of be the answer to yeah. one of those, which um, that's never going to be a bad thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think like when you look at those immediate recommendations, like you're you're looking at the recommendations for a, uh, a federation that is like crumbling, like they're not allowed to make a cash payment over five hundred dollars. Uh, they're talking about the closure of all bank accounts with certain like countries so all budapest banks would be closed our bank accounts would be closed they're talking about like down to the level of every single email address the iwf operates have to change their passwords uh like this is these aren't small recommendations for like a slightly corrupt organization these are things that will change the running of the iwf forever uh and then there's there's things in here that you absolutely should not have to make recommendations for like having joint signatures for all bank accounts isn't something like we have to do that for the Sika bank account and there's like 10 euro in it you know like there's there these are very very simple things that have just been completely neglected uh by the federation i think um the future of this would be very interesting so there's basically an all or nothing approach to this i'd say there absolutely nothing will change mm-hmm. which is kind of what we saw after let's say 2016 when for example the russian athletics federation was um heavily targeted you know and we didn't really see any change we, what we're kind of seeing especially with weightlifting too is to be honest it, it just looks more like and again this isn't um my opinion on those dirty cheaters it just really looks like that they're biding their time and waiting for their opportunity to go again you know um that's kind of the impression i'm getting and obviously there's no good evidence for that and obviously have no idea what they're thinking but that kind of seems to me what's it's looking like so in terms of post iwf the the world after this report it's either everything's going to change and we're going to see a vastly different sport of weightlifting or everyone's so corrupt and so complicit it'll just carry on as business as normal but with a different figurehead and i'll be honest with you it's probably closer to the nothing happening than the all everything changing for the better i uh if i was to be given a a percentage or if i was a betting man i would err heavily and i would say probably 85 percent more likely that nothing will happen and this will it'll be another one of these like illusions of reform Look, even if it's not Thomas Ajan, uh even if it's not any of the people, in, like the five people who are directly under him, from the looks of the organizational structure in this report, and more likely, like more importantly, from the looks of that organizational structure and who actually cooperated with the investigation, uh, you're talking about everybody uh, in ma- at management level in the EWF is is definitely on the take in one form or another and people won't like to hear this but like 
so how many people do we have on this page? We probably have 10, 20, maybe 25 people in the management structure uh, of the IWF. And that goes from Thomas Ajan down as far as the vice presidents who you probably won't know. Like Niku Vlad is on the vice president's uh, board. Um, you recognize that name. Yeah. Uh, and then directly under that is uh, so executive board members you won't recognize a lot of these and then underneath that you have uh, like or sorry executive board members you have peer esteemers. so these are people who are very much involved currently in weightlifting these aren't people who are uh, kind of hidden away in the background of these federation meetings sitting in their blazers and their like golden brooches as they like sign documents and stuff you know these are the people you're uh kind of engage with what they speak about even if you haven't heard their names they are one or two degrees of separation from the athletes you follow on instagram you know this isn't it's not like this illuminati thing where nobody knows what's happening and these yeah. are uh this kind of highly removed group of people these are uh, like Thomas Ajan is five degrees of separation from an athlete in any federation in the world. You know, it's 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 not like cutting off the head of the snake will obviously do nothing. But if we kick everybody who's on this sheet who were like uh, kind of federation management or like executive board members, then we basically have nobody left except the people who run the federations in their own countries or the the bar loaders probably at competitions um so <laughs> what the big thing about this report is it it doesn't really touch so much on doping as much as the um, just the corruption involved with the uh yeah. the cash flow and stuff but there's a little um little kind of section at the end so for it's kind of just an example of one of many i'd say if they really wanted to dig into it if they possibly could have so it was suspicious out of competition test results prior to houston so the underlying problem which has been flagged regarding the 24 positives at Houston is the fact that many of the 24 athletes that tested positive in competition had undergone OOC testing a relatively short time before the event. Many of the OOC sample collections were conducted by IDTM. All of these athletes whose tests were positive at Houston were clean in their OOC tests carried out by the Cologne Laboratory, which carried out a full menu analysis against their samples. The vast majority of the 24 athletes tested positive for the anabolic steroid Turinobol. It is apparent that these OOC tests collected prior to Houston are dubious. When put to Dr. Greyer, the deputy head of the Cologne Laboratory, he confirmed that it was highly irregular that they would have tested clean prior to the event and positive at the event in such a short time frame. Indeed, he admitted that the statistics worried him since it was Cologne who conducted the sample analysis on the OOC samples. Dun 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 dun. So tests on samples taken both at Houston and OOC were subsequently reanalyzed by the Clone Laboratory. Their analysis confirmed that their testing capability to detect the long-term metabolites of Trinobol was, at that time, more sensitive than the Montreal Laboratory and certainly more, sufficient to have, more than sufficient to have identified the adverse analytical findings in the OOC samples. So basically, Cologne should have detected them, but they don't know why it wasn't detected. I'd say they know full well why. So... Yeah. The heads of Montreal and Clone Laboratories are therefore unable to explain what may have happened. The 
uh, so the investigative panel has not been able to establish how these significant discrepancies in the in-competition and OOC, which is out-of-competition testing, obviously, sorry, I meant to say that, test results could have occurred. The working hypothesis provided by the panel by Dr. Greyer is that the manipulation of samples occurred at some stage during the in-field out-of-competition testing process. The most likely explanation is that the urine had been swapped. Indeed, as a result of his reanalysis of Houston samples and out-of-competition samples, the Cologne Laboratory found that samples provided by two Moldovian athletes indicated that the DNA in the OOC sample was not theirs. So the panel makes no findings here and leaves it to one of the two laboratories and monitor the examination internally. So they basically left a lot of the anti-doping issues up because I'd say they must have been like, this is a huge shit show and this wasn't their remit. I'd say they just needed to yeah. reform or figure out what was wrong with the organization. But I'd say there is reams yeah. of information regards that if, if someone was given the, the time and power to do it. Yeah, I, I think this is... Look, if it is, if they go with the, the much le- less likely option of actually doing a proper reform, uh, I think the anti-doping stuff, they probably won't chase down all of them. I don't think they'll ever... like. It's not like they'll get those 22 a- adverse analytical findings that they uncovered in the report. I don't think they'll go back to those athletes and, and remove Well, they medals. have sent... They said for uh, 40... 40. Jesus, that's on a very... 40. 40. Um, they sent it... F- they sent uh, 4-0 to WADA. So that was very, obviously 40 that they couldn't ignore. And I would imagine they sent that information yeah, to WADA. Yeah, yeah. It must have been extremely Like, everybody's obvious. waiting for those 40 now. Because uh, some of them were gold and silver medalists. So I am... Yeah. I hope yeah, it's not yeah, some yeah. of our friends. I'm dying to know who it was, though. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's nobody we know. Uh, the FITS test is positive look, in 2015. <laughs> Uh, there's look these reports are often really boring to read right but uh, this one is actually a little juicy juicy. there's pictures of Thomas Ajan signing cash receipts for the incorrect amount with like the Albanian weightlifting federation president there's the pictures of the inside of his safe which you'd fit like four girflings into (laughs) he's just a gangster there's like this is yeah, yeah he's an absolute it's just mob mobster boss stuff like uh, I'd highly recommend looking at it, even if you just went through the index at the start and looked for the clickbaity ones, like the fallacy of cash, uh, or like whatever. There's some great titles in that. Go and read those sections because it's very, very interesting. Uh, to be honest, this just makes me so happy that we don't like go to weightlifting competitions mm-hmm. or like. Really? Oh, it's um, just yeah subject matter expert money yeah. laundering uh, like this is like watching an episode this of is like the Ozark. Wire. yeah 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 um, I have another little uh, just paragraph there for people to read because they will know this name so Valentin Hristov was um, an Azerbaijani he was actually born born in Bulgaria which I didn't know but he was uh, a 62 and he was I think he was banned twice but for example we've um the timeline of Valentin, a Bulgarian-born Azerbaijani weightlifter, illustrates a particular erroneous degree or case of delay, or egregious, sorry. The athlete has tested positive following an in-competition sample he provided on the 9th of April 2013 at the Europeans. He later provided an out-of-competition sample on the 19th of June 2013, which was also produced an adverse analytical finding. Despite having been informed by the Cologne Laboratory of the AAF on the 4th of July, 
So that was two months after he originally tested positive. The IWF did not immediately mm-hmm. notify the athlete of his results. He then went to Worlds in Poland in 2013. And as the uh, organization organized the Baku IWF, which is the capital of Azerbaijan Grand Prix and second Baku International Cup held on December of that same year. So six months after he tested positive, where he won a gold medal. The IWF finally notified the athlete of his t- positive test and corresponding provisional suspension on the 11th of April next year with the suspension beginning on the 9th of April that year. Oh, so when he would originally tested positive. So they basically, oh, that was nearly a full year after he provided his first positive sample. Um, so it's a, it, there's more to that, but I'll let you read it. But that's just an example of, um, like there's so many, just it's a good report to read. They're not normally this interesting. These are juicy. Yeah, they're never this juicy. And they're never this like, like they're always written in legal, highly seriously dour, legal language, uh, like kind of yeah, like flat language. This this has some like this is some fucking Vice News uh, style writing in it. To be fair, it's it is a it's a highly readable report. I think if you're an athlete or if you're a coach, uh, unless you're in like one of the highly egregious nations that are mentioned in this, I think this won't have it will have little to no effect on you as an athlete or as a coach. Uh, I think, look, it's something we should all be concerned as, like, as fans of weightlifting, as athletes, as coaches. You should be concerned with this stuff and you should be raising it with your officials in your organisations. But this report probably won't change things for you. This report probably won't mean that uh, X country is going to get a gold when... They haven't won. They hadn't had a world champion in the last fifty years. You know, it it probably won't have that much of effect of an effect, but they're these are unbelievably important things, more so for the state of weightlifting, uh, in the overall like global sphere of sport. So like, weightlifting is probably in the worst position out of all sports currently being considered for the Olympics, where. I think we're guaranteed for 2024 for Paris, but beyond that, it looks like weightlifting might not be in the Olympics. And it's because of corruption like this. It's not because of like dirty, rotten cheaters who are like taking steroids on the side or like it's not because of these people swapping urine through a hole in the wall. Like these are these are issues and these are big problems in the sport and they make the sport dirty. They they ruin like the whatever but it's not because of that that the sport will be kicked out of the Olympics. It's because of large-scale corruption and large-scale like money laundering offences is why that like why the IOC will kick us out of the Olympics. And I think that's very very important to note. Don't lose sight of the importance of this just because it doesn't affect you. So I think the reason this one is so juicy is because it was just so blatant for so long. It was just so much stuff to pick from that they couldn't help but there was no way of uh, like reducing down so this would have been obviously like distilled down to its base parts but it's still mega juicy like the hot tea in this one is crazy yeah like no other sport could have been this blatant you know the FIFA had you know a big kind of corruption issue last year but it was nowhere near like theirs looked like you just didn't declare some minor taxes compared to this is phenomenal the level in this yeah. you know and kind of 
I mentioned before, mm. but one of the reasons I kind of stopped competing, one of the minor, it was this is a minor reason now, but it's one of it was just when you see, when you go to international competition and stuff, you're just like, fuck all of this shit, like all of this bureaucracy, you know, everything involved in weightlifting all throughout is just, it's horrendous. Like, you know, so it, the, the IWF Mafia wasn't the meme, like it's a real thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like my probably the last point I want to make on this, and it's just reiterating something I said earlier of like, you need to look into your own federation and start seeing this. Because if you're not seeing this, then these people are being hidden behind some curtain. Like, Joe, if if you're a federation, so like, okay, if your federation has had a doping offense in the last 10 years, or sorry, a doping offense since 20, 2005, uh, and you're not from Romania, that means your country was asked for their accounts and didn't return the accounts. So no matter how spick and span and clean and tidy you think your organization is it's not and then i think the last thing is is like you have to start going to things like agms as boring as they are uh you have to start taking an active interest in who the president of your organization is and how they conduct themselves and you have to start thinking that like Oh, just because Asher, like, if he didn't do it, nobody else would do it. That's probably not a good enough reason to let somebody sit in a position of power uh, when you know the correct things may not be being done. Um, so I'd say in, in kind of closing, definitely go and look at the report if you're if you're um anyway involved in weightlifting. Even if you're not involved in weightlifting, if you're yeah. if you're a powerlifter or just a, a crossfitter or something, you know, if, I know a lot of you aren't weightlifters, so. Yeah. Definitely just go have a look at this, the McLaren report. It's definitely just worth, if you've any involvement in any sports, you will just be truly dumbfounded by the range of corruption involved in this, the absolute depth of this. Um, the next couple of months will tell a lot, I'd say. By next Olympics, we'll have, we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time.